Welcome to the College Football Bros, the podcast of champions and Ryan. And now, here are your hosts, Michael, Ryan, and Trey Newman. Welcome to the College Football Bros podcast. I am Michael Newman, and I'm joined by the brother who finally gets to see the results of his Baylor prediction. Ah, can't wait. That's me, Ryan Newman. And by the other brother who still has a chance to correctly predict all five power conference champions. How about that? Trey Newman. Yeah, you had Clemson, OU, Ohio State, Utah, and Georgia before the year. So pretty good job there. Bravo. As a reminder, follow us on Twitter at CFB Bros, on Instagram at College Football Bros, and support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash college football bros for bonus episodes. And this week, we're actually dropping a Patreon mailbag episode, so be sure to uh, subscribe there if you want to listen to that. And let's get to some five-star reviews. We hit the 200 mark, guys. We are at 202. We finally did it. We did it. All right. So thanks, everyone. Oh, yeah. That'd be me. Yeah, you got the first one there, Ryan. I sure do, Michael. (laughs) All right. It's from uh, Brad from Pittsburgh. Uh, Top two podcast for me. I love the show for the tremendous insight as well as entertainment value, especially the multiple topic-based segments like Upset Specials. To break up the show and keep it fresh, I listen to the show to help me evaluate my plays for the week. I only wish the brothers were better game pickers. Fair. Um, (laughs) Me too. I'm a a Pitt fan first, defending Coastal Champs, uh, and have always rooted for Nebraska. I love the analysis provided for both teams uh, as well as all of college football and not just the top 25. Booyah. He finished it with a hail to pit, I think. Oh, yes. Excuse me. But uh, that's that's good. Appreciate that. Next one is from Bayou Dill. Very good. I'm never going to look up what you guys look like because I like to imagine it's just one guy pretending to be three and having a quality conversation about football. Go Tigers. <laughs> I like that thought. All it's right. interesting. <laughs> yeah. We do sound similar enough that it could be true. But anyway, moving on. Same person still got to talk here. Go. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. It's me again, as always. Uh, Big Easy 6917 says, punny, great college football insights, dad jokes, and plenty of puns. The college football bros bring lighthearted humor while still being very knowledgeable about the game. Keep up the great work, guys. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you. Sounds about right. All right. Should we get into the week 14 recap? Vamos, muchachos. Let's go. Absolutely. Whatever, Whatever he just said in Spanish. Okay, uh, Ohio State won fifty six to twenty seven at Michigan, and Ryan, you were you were shocked by this outcome. I'm assuming I was. Yeah, very sure. Mm. Yeah, at least double digits. There you go. <laughs> oh, that's right. Yeah. Hey, they. You know, they probably approached triple digits closer than you thought. Yeah, true. They did. Yeah, I mean, there's just not a whole lot that needs to be said about the game. It was totally dominated by the Buckeyes. They scored two touchdowns in each quarter. For a nice balanced 56 points. Uh, Fields threw for over 300 yards. J.K. Dobbins ran for over 200. They had almost 600 yards of total offense. Michigan was able to keep pace for one quarter. Uh, Shea Patterson got off to a pretty good start, but then that just kind of gave way. Ohio State defense settled in. So, I don't know. To me, it just all, it's, all this game means is that Ohio State is proving that they deserve to be the number one seed right now. I mean, I don't know if it... <laughs> I feel like Michigan shot themselves in the foot a lot in this game. I mean, Ohio State was clearly better. Um, they were the Buckeye offensive line dominated. You know, Dobbins was always getting his yards. But Michigan, man, start out the game. They march down. They score. Boom. Then they miss the extra point. 
They fumbled a couple times. They had an interception, a turnover on downs. And then the, the, the biggest play, in my opinion, was they had Ohio State had fourth and four. They were about to punt it back to Michigan before the end of the half. It's only they're only down twenty one thirteen, and they go off sides. Yeah, it was. And bad. then a couple of plays later, Ohio State scores to make it twenty eight thirteen, and that just was pretty much insurmountable. Like that was that was crushing these these mistakes. I mean, in in this game, you can't do it. Yeah, I was you know after the first half, I was thinking about all those mistakes you just said. On top of the fact, a couple missed pass interference calls on Jeffrey Okuda. And I was armed with those. I'm like, all right, I'm going to say them on the podcast. But then, I don't know, the way that second half went, I just don't think it would have mattered. Even if all those things went Michigan's way, Ohio State was just way better. And I think eventually they were going to show that. They totally were. I'm absolutely were. They dominated. Yeah, but so I'll disagree just... with you, Trey, when you said Michigan was better than Ohio State. Uh, that's maybe <laughs> that's your opinion. <laughs> but, but that's maybe fair. They, I mean, maybe they could have flirted with the spread if uh, all those things went right. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, uh, moving on to Auburn beating Alabama 48-45, maybe the best game of the year. Uh, of course, that knocks Alabama out of the playoff. What'd you see here, Trey? It it really was an amazing game. It was just yeah. back and forth. I, I think I counted there were 10 lead changes, which is kind of wow. like a basketball game. You don't really see that in football. Uh, but Bama, they're going to be kicking themselves, no, no pun intended, but they outgained Auburn by over 150 yards. They put up 500 yards of offense. But really, the difference of the game was Mac Jones threw two pick sixes. Uh, the most costly one was when they were Bama had first and goal. It's the middle of the third quarter. They were ready. They were up 31-30, ready to go up potentially eight. But kind of a fluky bounce off their receiver, the receiver's back, and Auburn picked it off and ran for a 100-yard pick six, and that really changed it. But you know, Alabama, they stormed back. Jalen Waddell, he did everything he could. He was the best player on the field. Mm-hmm. You know, kick returns, uh, receiving touchdowns. But obviously, it came down to, again, the Alabama missed field goal left upright uh, in the last couple of minutes to tie it. But good win for Auburn. Yeah, great win. And great season, really. Going 9-3 and three with a true freshman quarterback against the schedule they had was, I thought, very good. Um, but But yeah, there were a lot of fluky things here that that caused Alabama to lose. Uh, Bill Connolly tweeted that Bama had a 94% post-game win probability in this one. It's crazy. Yeah, I saw that. That's ouch. Yeah. And Trey, you mentioned some of them. One, a couple of the, the plays that you didn't mention. At the end of the first half, the refs putting back one second on the clock after the review, which allowed Auburn to get their field goal unit on the field. So that was kind of uh that seems ripe for a rule change because that seems it seems very arbitrary it's kind of weird yeah because if they had called it correctly the first time auburn wouldn't have been able to substitute but anyway that's the rule and they got a 52 yard field goal there uh anders carlson just in general four for four on field goals was yeah he was nails yep a big reason they won um and you mentioned the two pick sixes and also the last play kind of the the game ending play where auburn to their credit they they tried to confuse alabama by putting um, the punter as a receiver and they still had Bo Nix in there. I think they were just going to probably run it down to one second and call timeout. They're trying to draw him offside. Yeah, oh, no doubt. But uh, or get a substitution penalty, which is what happened. So that was the only part about the game where I would have liked to have seen it end a little bit differently. Yeah. That was kind of a letdown for it to end that way. Oh, totally. No, I was just kind of as a neutral fan wanting to see more of this game. I was hoping for that last field goal to go in, you know, to 
maybe get overtime. Yeah. And then I was, again, I was hoping for Bama to get the ball back with one last chance there. But what do you, um, when, you, when you have the ball, if you're Gus Malzahn there, when they were, had, what they get it with like under two minutes, Alabama had those, those timeout, those two timeouts. Did you ever, did you want Gus Malzahn to be more aggressive rather than just do three super conservative runs up the middle? It's like, ee, get one first down and you win. 100%. Yes. It's like, come on, don't just. He faked play like Booby Whitlow was going to throw it there on third down, but yeah, uh, I don't know. If he I, he might have if the guy was probably wide open. Fair but. enough. Yeah. But I, would, I don't know. It just seems like, oof. Yeah. Get that first down and it's over, man. Yeah. But, anyways, um, I don't know. Some people look at this game and be like, oh, 48 points for uh, Auburn. You know, Alabama's defense is horrible now. They can't stop. Whatever. They, they're struggling compared to what they were. But, like Trey said, they got two pick sixes in there to kind of, that was kind of a little bit unfair. And so I don't, I don't think Alabama's defense played that badly, really. They gave up 354 yards of offense, which, I mean, it is an amazing, great defense, but it's not too bad. Um, but yeah, Michael, you brought, you brought up Anders Carlson. He was struggling going into that game. He was three yeah. of eight on his last, uh, his last eight attempts. So he just came up clutch there, finally put it together at the right time. But I mean, it was just such a fun game to watch. Yeah, especially because I was thinking that I was thinking Alabama was going to get in if if they won this game. Yeah, obviously it would have been a question mark between them and and maybe OU, Baylor, and Utah. But I just think Alabama was going to get in, so that probably makes it that much sweeter for for Auburn fans. Yep. Uh, okay, let's move on to Wisconsin rolling to an easy win at Minnesota, 38 seventeen in the snow. And, you know, the Gophers actually did a decent job against Jonathan Taylor on the ground, but Wisconsin was able to find other ways to score. Jack Cohn had a great game. They had a lot of big plays through the air. They were running screen passes and reverses. So offense did well. And then Minnesota's defense or offense, sorry, just couldn't keep up. Tanner Morgan faced a bunch of pressure. He was sacked five times. They couldn't run the ball. So I don't know. They just kind of got totally outplayed. Yeah, they did. I mean, they got off to a hot start. They were up seven nothing early. Yeah, they thought, okay, here we go. You know, Minnesota's going having a good uh, might win this one here. But yeah, the Badgers they went on a thirty eight to three run after that point and just completely put it away. Yeah, Jack Cohen had a great game. Quintez Cephas made some big plays through the air catching. Unfortunate for Minnesota here that they're kind of their dream season ends without them making the conference championship game, and now they're they're not going to make a. A New Year's Six at this point, right? They seems like it'd be kind of a surprise. They're down to what, like fifteen or so. No, they won't. So they probably won't make a New Year's Six either. But unfortunately, everything's set up perfectly for them this year. Schedule and getting Wisconsin at home, everything all set up, but just couldn't quite close the deal. Yeah, I, I picked Minnesota in this one, but I should have relied on that old adage that they kind of have to pay their dues. They're they're kind of new money here and. This was new new territory for the Gophers, you know. Whereas Wisconsin, the grizzled vets, and they've been here, done that, and they were more physical. And you know, Tanner Morgan, he actually played pretty well, but he had, that interception and fumble that he had led to ten Badger points, and that's tough to make up, especially in the weather and conditions they were playing in. Yep. Okay, moving on to Oklahoma against Oklahoma State. OU won thirty-four to sixteen. What happened here, Ryan? Yeah, they're really, uh, I don't know, I was watching this game, I just, there wasn't as many fireworks as I expected going into this one, and I, I got to give a lot of the credit to the Sooner defense, holding the, holding the pokes to 335 yards of offense, and just three points after halftime. They really did a good job kind of shutting them down, and I know Oklahoma State lost the game, and but 
I still think Mike Gundy did a tremendous job this year getting his guys to get to eight wins. They had mm-hmm. hardly any returning production coming back on defense. They lost almost everybody. Started a freshman quarterback, played without Tylen Wallace the last four games of the year, ended up going three and one in those games. And I don't know. I just feel like it was an underappreciated year by, by Gundy. And But OU, great game. I'm, I'm encouraged by their defense going into the Big 12 title game. Um, so that's that they kind of got their uh, teeth back a little bit on this one. Yeah, yeah. The defense has definitely been up and down, but that's better than just down like they have been the last exactly. couple of years. So, yeah, solid win on the road against a team that's ranked 21st, that was ranked 21st in the CFP ranking. So I'm assuming, well, I wouldn't say I'm assuming, but I, I would say I would bet that they're going to pass Utah in those CFP rankings on Tuesday because their strength of, of record is is going to be significantly better now. Um, but it's going to be close. So that'll be obviously something to watch out for. Yeah. If they don't, they'll still have a better Baylor opportunity than than Oregon. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Utah will face with Oregon. So it's close between those teams, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And we'll, we'll get to that. But one of the one of the keys in this game was o, OU was able to hold Oklahoma State to field goals and stopping them on downs because Okie State, even though they didn't rack up a ton of yards, they were able to at least move the ball to get into scoring position, but uh, they just couldn't, Oklahoma State couldn't punch it in, and you're just not going to beat the Sooners with field goals. And Ryan, I I totally agree with you on Mike Gundy this year in particular, but he does fall to 2-13 and 13 versus Oklahoma, so that's not that's not the greatest. Yeah, Lincoln Riley has more wins in this rivalry than uh, Mike Gundy, which is kind of crazy, but... I don't know. It's kind of like it's a more extreme version of of Harbaugh at Michigan. It's almost like like OU has had just an unbelievable run the last decade plus. Yeah, so. it's a it's an unfair comparison there. Yeah, to to judge him off that the bedlam. But yeah, it's not quite even playing fields, but it's still it's not still, even close. But it's still a stat worth worth uh, worth looking at. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Yeah. Uh, okay, let's uh, let's get to the rapid recaps here. Um, Ryan, go ahead. All right, uh, let's start off with the MAC here. We had uh, this game I was on played on Tuesday a while ago. We had Western Michigan at Northern Illinois. If Western Michigan won, they would have gone to the MAC championship, but they lost seventeen fourteen. John Wasink didn't have a great game, so Broncos ended up seven and five. So they're kind of wait and see mode for the game on Friday. Uh, Toledo at Central Michigan. If Central Michigan lost. Western was going to go. If Central Michigan won, Central Michigan heads to the championship. And Central Michigan was not messing around. They dominated Toledo 49-7. to Toledo really kind of faltered Oof. down the stretch here. Quarterback injuries and just didn't have a whole lot left at, at <laughs> in the tank. But great first year for Jim McElwain, taking his team to the to the MAC championship. Um, all right, let's move on to the Conference USA here. UAB, North Texas. Uh, UAB needed to win this one uh, to win the West Division, and they ended up pulling it out. It was a close one, uh, 26-21. They got a huge pick six uh, in the third quarter that put them up 26-21, and that they, nobody scored after that. So UAB is headed to the Conference USA title game. Great job by Bill Clark. Tough break here for Louisiana Tech. Uh, yeah. They're the team that really, really hurt themselves by the quarterback, Jamar Smith, getting suspended. So UAB was the beneficiary of that. Um, okay, moving on to the maybe the game of the weekend. I don't know. Funniest <laughs> game of the weekend, we'll say. Yes, yes. The Egg Bowl, Ole Miss and Mississippi State on Thanksgiving. Everybody pretty much knows what happened, but just worth mentioning here on the pod. Uh, Ole Miss was down 21 14. 
but they scored a touchdown with four seconds left to make it 21 to 20. But Elijah Moore, who caught the touchdown pass, he got down at all four, started walking like a dog, and then lifted his hind leg and proceeded to (laughs) (laughs) pretend to pee in the end zone. (laughs) That was a very uh, graphic explanation. I like it, Ryan. Yeah, you're welcome. Uh, Proceeded to get a 15-yard penalty, uh, which made it a harder extra point for the kicker. And, of course, he missed it. So (laughs) Mississippi State got the 21-20 victory thanks to... uh, those antics and we were all three of us were watching that together and michael you you made a great point like we're gonna remember that 10 years from now like you remember oh, when yeah. that guy yes in the end zone and cost himself like <laughs> and we're gonna see the replay every thanksgiving they're gonna show it they, oh they, yeah it's too good not to show <laughs> that guy is never gonna live that down. <laughs> no <laughs> uh all right let's move on here uh some aac action we had cincinnati at memphis this was once on friday Memphis pulled out to a, an early 17-3 lead, uh, but since he was able to battle back, they tied it up at 17, but ultimately, Brady White and the Tigers, they kind of pulled away uh, late. They won 34-24 to seal the West Division uh, for the third straight year, and now we're going to get a redo uh, of this game uh, this coming week, Cincinnati at Memphis again. So, But great year for uh, Memphis once again and Mike Norvell. Uh, okay, we got Apple Cup action. Huskies, once again, they blew out the Cougs 31-13. Uh, Chris Peterson, he just owns Mike Leach up there in the Pacific Northwest. Huskies forced three Wazoo turnovers, and now they've won seven straight Apple Cups, just dominance. So, it may have been a little bit of a disappointing 7-5 year for, for UW, but at least they still have bragging rights over their in-state rival. Mm-hmm. And then finally, the Territorial Cup, or the Cactus Bowl, or... What's, there was one other term that they, they, they were using. Arizona uh, at Arizona State. Yeah. <laughs> Besides <laughs> no, I'm that, saying Mike. that's what you could call it as well. Yeah, all right, fine. Uh, <laughs> Eno Benjamin had a big game, rushing for 168 yards. Jaden Daniels was kind of quiet, but he did what he always does. He took took care of the ball. Um, ASU won the turnover battle 3 nothing, and that was the difference in the game. Sun Devils uh, won 24-14, uh, finished the regular season 7-5, so pretty good year there uh, in Tempe. But the athletic director for Arizona came out and said that they will keep Kevin Sumlin. So he'll be back for, for year three, barely. I'm sure they're very excited about that. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay, my first game here was incredible. Virginia Tech at Virginia. Bryce Perkins had a monster game. He had 164 yards rushing and two touchdowns. And this one was tied with uh, a few minutes left. It was going back and forth. So it was tied. And Hendon Hooker threw his his first non-Hail Mary interception of the season. and that led to a, a Virginia 48-yard field goal to take the 33-30 lead with a minute 24. So you think, okay, Virginia Tech, they've been moving the ball down the field. They got one last chance here. Well, first down, they get sacked. Second down, sacked. Third down, sacked in the end zone, fumble, touchdown <laughs> Virginia. Yep. So that was one of, that was the worst like final effort I've I've ever seen. You can't get much worse. Um but but yeah, Virginia won. 39 to 30 kind of a weird move there with a minute left they opted to go for two but just take a knee rather than risk you know an yeah, extra point block yeah i think it i think it is smart i'd have to think harder about it but i didn't really feel like it so well because they were up smart. they were up nine so if they well, yeah. no, I, I get that part of it but yeah i don't know i i assume they they thought it through it, it i can see the logic yeah i think it's smart don't give them the chance to make it a one score game so mm-hmm uh, so Virginia becomes the seventh team in seven years to win the Coastal. Yeah, that's really cool. That is crazy. Uh, okay, next game, Louisville at Kentucky for the Governor's Cup. 
You can also call it Louisville at Kentucky. Okay. So Kentucky won 45 to 13. And it's crazy that Kentucky has now gone five and two with Lynn Bowden at quarterback. So weird. Yeah. 284 rushing yards and four touchdowns in this one. And uh, so both teams finished seven and five on the season, which all things considered for both teams is, is I think, very good. Uh, Wake Forest lost at Syracuse 39-30 in overtime. And I know Wake Forest, you know, has had some injuries at receiver and Jamie Newman got hurt in this one, but still very bad loss here. They turned it over five times and probably cost themselves a shot at the Orange Bowl. So that's that's just bad all the way around. That hurts. By the way, it's dual in the desert is uh, what I was looking for there. Okay. All right. I like that. Yeah. Uh, then I just got four blowouts here. Kind of boring games, really. Clemson beat South Carolina 38 to 3. And afterwards, Dabo Sweeney complained about Clemson not getting any respect. Roddy Dangerfield. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Georgia beat Georgia Tech 52 to 7. LSU beat A&M 50 to 7. That is a... Yeah, that was impressive. That is very impressive. So... Joe Burrow, if it wasn't already a lock, it's it's a double lock for the Heisman. Yep. And Florida State beat, or no, no, they did not. They lost <laughs> to know. Florida, 40-17, to 17. yeah. All right, uh, next we've got North Carolina at North Carolina State. The Tar Heels were actually down 10-6 at half, but then they exploded in the second to win 41-10. to 10. Mac Brown and the Heels going bowling in year one. Sam Howell, 401 yards, three touchdowns. They put up 620 yards of offense, and NC State had four turnovers. Ugly, ugly finish to the year for them. Notre Dame at Stanford. The Irish won 45-24. to They finished the year 10-2. and Ian Book threw four scores, but it wasn't easy. They were actually trailing in the first half, uh, but they blocked a punt, and that completely changed the momentum. They took the lead there and, and pulled away in the second half. And Stanford, we've kind of talked about it before, but they fall to 4-8. and eight. And there's going to be a little bit of pressure on David Shaw next year to perform perform better. Indiana at Purdue. This one was wild. The Hoosiers won 44 to 41 in double overtime, but Indiana had a 28 to 10 lead in the second half. Purdue was able to force overtime behind Aiden O'Connell. He threw for 408 yards, but uh, Peyton Peyton Ramsey and Watt Fillier they were too much. The Hoosiers ended up getting to eight wins, and if they win their bowl game. The nine wins will tie a school record. Did you see the the play that Purdue had where the, they off the guy's knee? Yes, that was that crazy. Thing, the it ball just, was it? The ball like explain it. I mean, yeah, I mean the quarterback threw it and it and it hit the receiver's knee and bounced like in the air like ten yards forward at least. Yeah, straight to another receiver. That was crazy. so crazy. Yeah. Uh, next, I got the Civil War. Uh, it wasn't pretty, but the Ducks beat the Beavers 24 to 10. Justin Herbert had a season low in yards, but the defense carried them. Uh, the Beavers actually ended up starting Tristan Jebbia as Jake Luton had an injured forearm. That was kind of a surprise. But uh, the Ducks, they got a 96-yard kick return touchdown, and their defense was was stout and in order to, to get the win. All that said, they're 10 and 2. They have a chance to go to the Rose Bowl if they beat Utah next week. All right, so let's uh, let's move on to our segments. Our first one here is the coaching carousel, and we are recording this on Sunday night. So if any news drops Monday, we apologize that we do not know about it. But uh, psych, it is Michael, and it is Monday night, and of course I'm here because some big news dropped on Monday that uh, we had to cover. Apologies that Trey will not be here; he is out celebrating his birthday. 
so you can wish him a happy birthday. And Ryan, I am assuming, is uh, on his Monday Coke bender, as usual. So just me, uh, but that's okay, because I'm long-winded. I can, I can cover everything. So, of course, the news I'm talking about is Bobby Wilder, Old Dominion, stepping down. Big news. No, real news is, uh, is Chris Peterson, of course. So he is stepping down as head coach of Washington and after effective after the bowl game. And he's going to be going into an advisory role with the team. And he says it was to, quote, recharge, which kind of makes you think maybe in a few years, maybe he'll be back. Who knows? We can talk about those rumors at some point. But uh, for now, they're going to hand over the reins to Jimmy Lake, the defensive coordinator. And it makes sense. I mean, he was highly sought after by other teams. He stayed with Washington because they made him a very highly paid defensive coordinator. He's known as a great recruiter. So it just really makes sense to have the continuity there. I'm sure the recruiting will not suffer too much, at least as a result of this change. Who knows? It might even get better with Jimmy Lake taking control. So yeah, I think ultimately Washington is in good hands. And just kind of looking back as far as Chris Peterson's tenure there, it was obviously unbelievable. He took over a program that was kind of mediocre, of course, uh, in those years under seven wins Sark, and he brought them to the playoff which I don't think anybody really thought was possible, at least as relatively quickly as he did it. So, um, yeah, crazy news here, but uh, I'll, I'll cut it short here and give it back to the handsome and talented Michael Newman. First one I have here, Matt Luke has been fired at Ole Miss. And I guess it was a, a surprise given it seemed like in the last couple weeks didn't seem like it was going to happen, but it's also not a surprise in that they've gone six and six, five and seven, and now four and eight. And I know he was dealt a tough hand, but the idea when they hired him was kind of just as a placeholder through this, this, these sanctions. And now they've, they fired him. They can go fi- hire someone who has more upside, which I think if, if my school USC would do a similar thing, I think that would, that would be wise. Yeah. I, I saw that he had like a really high buyout though. It was like 17 million or something. Are you talking about Matt Luke or Clay Helton? Matt Luke. Oh, really? I didn't see like, that. Shockingly high. I don't remember the exact number, but I remember thinking like, wow, that's very high for a, a coach that nobody else wanted. Hmm. Well, it's not my money. So yeah, um, I have no idea who uh, who they're going to they're going to get now. But I'm sure, you know, all the usual suspects, Mike Norvell, Billy Napier, Brent Venables, all those guys will be thrown out there. Yep. All right, let's move on here to the next firing. We had uh, Barry Odom from Missouri. Um, I think he's getting a little bit of a raw deal here. He didn't exactly take over the the, the best program in the easiest of circumstances. He had a rough first year. They went four and eight, but the last three years he's won at least at least six. Um, so that's I don't know. It's a tough break when you're Missouri in the SEC and you're going to bowl games. That's uh that's tough. Um, it is a tough break. This year was the schedule set up so well for them. Yeah. And they had such high expectations that, yeah, I guess it was just a, a shock. But yeah, they should have done better than six and six for sure. But hey, I mean, they aren't going to make a bowl game anyway. So kind of rough. Yeah, good point. Anyways, uh, yeah, usual suspects again for this as far as replacements. You're hearing Brian Harson, uh, Mike Norvell, Luke Fickle. Uh, I think Dave Clausen I saw is being thrown out too. So uh, if he would leave, maybe he'd leave Wake for Missouri. Who knows? But yeah, same old. Okay, Ryan, I can I can understand why you were uh, surprised by this one because uh, I have a clip from last week's yeah. episode. Yeah, <laughs> I pulled out the clip, Ryan. I'm gonna yeah, play great. it. Great. <laughs> okay. 
very underwhelming. So Barry Odom is not completely safe here. Yeah, you know? I mean, he's safe this year, but... <sighs> well, that's... Uh, you're countering what I just said there, so... I've- Okay, maybe I am. I feel like you're wrong on that. I don't think there's any danger of him getting fired. Okay, well, that's that's why you're really annoying. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I guess so. It's great to be the one that uh, is is the technical guy with all the access to these audio clips and stuff, because when someone else is wrong, yeah. I can shove it in their face. I He didn't deserve to get fired. That's weak. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's weak sauce. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one we got. Boston College parted ways with Steve Adazio. You know, he, I didn't realize. I, it's amazing. He was there for seven years, but in his tenure, they ended up 44 and 44 overall. He was well under 500 in the ACC. And yeah, I know they made some bowl games and I think it was six of the seven years, but they just didn't really seem to improve. They weren't kind of taking that next step. And seven years is a, it's a pretty good runway. And you could tell that after this year, it wasn't really going to improve much more. Yeah, that makes total sense. Uh, let's see. Last week we we missed a a firing. Bob Davy, well, pretty much fired. They I think they agreed to they mutually agreed to part ways. But it's about time. Uh, no surprise there, based on both on and off the field issues that he was having. And then uh, as we record this today on Sunday, USF fired Charlie Strong. They went four and eight and were trending in the wrong direction. So I think everyone expected this, and they might bring back Willie Taggart. That's a uh, an initial yeah. rumor out there that would kind of make some sense. And then UTSA fired Frank Wilson, which his first two years were actually pretty good. They made a bowl game, uh, but the last two, they've been one of the worst teams in FBS. So that's what happens. Yes, it do. Uh, all right, let's get to this kind of surprising one here. Rutgers does hire Greg Schiano <laughs> as their coach. He Crazy. It, they finalized an eight-year, $32 million deal. So... I guess that means Shiano will get some or most of the uh, things that he was demanding uh, that they couldn't, I guess, come to terms on before. Uh, but they, Rutgers just had to get this done, it, no matter what, essentially. Because if they if this fell through, I mean, Rutgers football might have just like vanished. It might have just disappeared. <laughs> well, based on the the outcry from yeah the fans and the boosters, they they made yeah. it seem that way at least. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just quickly want to bring up: there's a lot of coordinator firings around the country we're not going to get to all of them but just wanted to mention a couple quick ones both at texas tim beck um offensive coordinator has been demoted and then uh the defensive coordinator todd orlando has been fired so scapegoats yeah tom herman feeling the heat feeling like he had to to make a change there i guess it's tom herman's offense man yeah but it would help to have someone other than tim beck helping you out i think yeah he had some creative plays okay well We'll see. We'll see who they hired. There's rumors initially. I think Bruce Feldman tweeted, or someone tweeted that uh, maybe it was Brett McMurphy that they'd be looking at Graham Harrell from USC, which I think would be a a great hire, or uh, Joe Brady at LSU. I can't imagine LSU would let him get away. No but, way. No. Yeah. Harrell makes sense though. Uh, okay. Next segment is setting the stage, and so we'll start with with the playoff. So we're going to go through each team that still has a chance to make the playoff and set the stage for. What needs to happen for them to make it or, or I guess, not make it? Uh, so, Ryan, get us started. All right. Our first one here, number one team, Ohio State. They are in no matter what. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I agree. have mm-hmm. any qualms there. Uh, next, I'll take LSU. They're also in win or lose against Georgia. I mean, the only possible scenario is if Joe Burrow broke his leg and Georgia won by 75 points. 
Still think they're in. <laughs> they might, they might, still. <laughs> they might still be. Okay, Georgia. This is another easy one. Win and they're in, lose and they're out. Yep. And if they win, the, the repercussions of that is, and uh, along with everything else going as expected, then the field will be Ohio State, LSU, Clemson, and Georgia. Yep. So Georgia winning would eliminate. It kind of um, makes it easy those, on the committee. It uh, it would make it really easy. So, yep. okay. All right. And the next one is Clemson. Uh, they are also in no matter what. Oh, Ooh, okay. No. Yeah, I think they're in no matter God, what. God, if, even they, if lost they lose. As a 30-point favorite almost to Virginia. Eesh. I think they're in. Uh, I mean, to your credit, it's it, it, we won't even have to worry about it because they will. Be- yeah, they're not going to lose, but. But I, I, I think they might be in, Ryan. If, if you, they'd obviously have like a worse resume if you ignore margin of victory than the teams they'd be compared to, which would likely be Oklahoma and Utah. But they'd have that dominance factor. So yeah, they're it so would be dominant. close. It would be close. Yep. All right. Next, I'll take the Sooners. Uh, well, first off, they need, we talked about, they need LSU to beat Georgia. So they can that's the first step mm-hmm. and then they're going to need some style points probably in beating Baylor um because it it's most likely obviously going to come down to them in Utah so if they'll need LSU to beat Georgia and Oregon to beat Utah to really cement their yeah their status as that fourth team yep i'm i'm on board there uh, so Ryan right. well before we get so you think you think OU would would get in over Utah no, no, no. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that. Well, let's, that's ha- let's have that discussion. So, okay. So to get in, so to get in, say Utah beats Oregon, mm-hmm. Oklahoma's going to need to, I think, kind of beat Baylor, not handily, but but comfortably. It depends on how each of the games go. You're like Trey's getting alluding mm-hmm. to here. It if they both barely win, I I don't know. It's going to be super close. Well, we're going to kind of know if they both have you know, similar victories, then it might just come down to what this these Tuesday rankings are, which a lot of people listening might already know the yeah, rankings. And I think it'll be OU. If yeah. OU is ahead in these rankings, they look very, very good because their opponent, um Baylor, is higher ranked is than, better than yeah than Oregon. So yeah, if that's the case, OU looks really good. If OU's behind, they still have a chance, but the style points would come into play. Yeah. yeah. I would Honestly, but if I had to be Oklahoma or Utah right now, I think I'd want to be Oklahoma. So agreed, yeah. agreed. All right, um, all right. Let's move on to Baylor. Um, I think it's uh, it, they're in. It's kind of like what we were just talked about here. They're in if they win, and Utah loses. Right. Well, and LSU if LSU well, wins. and LSU beats Georgia. Right. 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 Mm-hmm. Yep. But what about, okay, what about, let's compare them to Utah. Do you think they have a chance to get in over Utah? Right. If Utah wins. I, ew, that's close. I don't think it'd be enough. I, I just think Utah's been more dominant um, and pa- has passed the eye test better up to this point. I think, I think I agree with you. It's uh, like you said, it's going to be close, but uh, yeah, it's going to come down to that because Baylor's going to have a better, again, ignoring um margin of victory they're gonna have a better resume in terms of who they beat strength of record yeah yeah who they beat exactly and they'll have that win against oklahoma um but they had the garbage non-conference they only beat rice by eight points they went to overtime against texas tech and tcu they only beat west virginia by three i think i think utah would get in over them but yep 
might depend on how it happens again it's true okay the last team we have here is utah and i think we kind of covered that in the yeah. previous discussion so exactly okay uh let's move on then to the g5 new year six slot so who is uh is the first team we have that that still has a chance ryan uh memphis they're they're the f- number one right now if, the, if they win they are going to that new year six spot no doubt yep and i'll take the team they're playing cincinnati obviously they need to win at memphis and and it wouldn't help or sorry it wouldn't hurt if boise happened to lose to hawaii but i still think if cincinnati won on the road at memphis they would represent the the new year's or be close with boise but it would be that's gonna that be, hard. Would be a, a very good win they're good. we'll see where the rankings come out this week um but yeah because last week's ranking cincinnati was 19th and boise was 20th so you would expect with this, this cincinnati loss they're gonna drop just behind boise and so the question is yeah is winning at memphis gonna well, be enough to leapfrog them over the one thing the committee might look at is uh they they'll have a win over ucf their only two losses would be at Ohio State and at Memphis. Right. And not to mention at Memphis, they recently had to do it with their backup quarterback. And we still don't know if uh, Ritter's going to play this week. So they might take that into consideration. Yeah, you can't really punish them for losing to, to Ohio State. That's what I'm saying. It's, yeah. You know, yeah. So I, yeah. I agree. I, I think I would favor Cincinnati to get in over Boise, but yeah. it'll be close. Yeah, I think so too. Okay, well, then let's move on to Boise. So obviously they need to beat Hawaii and and have cincinnati win and then refer back to our conversation 30 seconds ago well boise's got to win big and cincy you know barely and that would help yeah probably yep uh okay finally our last squad here app state it's looking pretty slim uh for them right now they need cincy to barely beat memphis um they need boise to lose to hawaii and they need to destroy louisiana lafayette um, okay, even if those things happen, do you think they get in? No, I don't. I think Cincinnati is in. Uh, it's too bad App State lost uh, a few weeks back. Yeah, I, I don't think App State's got a chance, but... I would I would agree, yeah. It's not like a 0%, but it's close. Pretty darn close. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's, uh, let's get to our championship week picks then. We've, we've set the stage. So let's start with the Pac-12 championship on Friday. It's Oregon against Utah. Utah's favored six and a half. Of course, this is at Levi's Stadium in Santa Clara. It's going to be a packed house, I'm sure. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, right. What do you What do you think, Trey? Well, we all know Utah. They've been on a tear and they've been rolling through the Pac-12, uh, obviously since that USC loss. But uh, I think the Ducks are being a little bit undervalued here since they lost at Arizona State a couple weeks ago and. I think the Utes will win, but I'm going to take the points with the Ducks. The The Ducks are obviously still motivated to go to the Rose Bowl and win the win the Pac-12. And the Utes haven't really, they haven't played a team as good as Oregon all year. And so they're going to have to earn it. I'm going to go with Utah. I just think they're the superior team right now. Uh, Oregon, they put up 17 points on offense last week against the Beavers. That's just atrocious. How are they going to move the ball consistently against the stout Utah defense that only gives up 58 rushing yards a game? I mean, they're, they are tough to, to go up against. They're going to make Oregon one dimensional. Uh, Herbert's going to have to force some throws in there. And I think Utah will get a pick or two. And when you look at the flip side, I, I like Huntley. I like Moss. He's having a big year. 
So, and I think they'll be able to find some success against a good Oregon defense, sure. But I, I trust Utah's offense a heck of a lot more than I trust Oregon's at this point. So, I am uh, taking the Utes. I agree. I've I've been Team Utah in this kind of debate all season, and this point spread makes it a little bit more difficult. That is a lot of points to give, but I'll stick with Utah. Like you say, their defense has been consistently great. And Justin Herbert has kind of struggled the last couple of weeks, and he's of course, doesn't have his full complement of receivers with the injuries they've had. So, yeah, uh, Utah's the pick for me. Uh, next game, Big 12 Championship, Baylor against Oklahoma. Oklahoma's favored 9.5. And this game is being played at AT&T Stadium in Dallas. And for those that don't know, Ryan, uh, I think everyone, if you've ever listened to this podcast, you would have figured it out. But <laughs> beginning of the season, Ryan picked Baylor to win the Big 12 championship against OU. So, yep, this is it, Ryan. This is your this game. This is it, man. It's, uh, it's Hey, I mean, it was it was good pick just to have the matchup. So, yeah, no, that's true. I, I, I'll take some pride in that. But... I'm a little surprised that the line is this high. Nine and a half seems like a lot of points. Uh, I, I think Baylor has proven itself to be a, a legit team with a, a very good defense. Last week, they demolished Kansas. I know it's Kansas, but Kansas has proved to be somewhat competitive this year, 61-6. Uh, to six. The week before, they totally dominated Texas. Uh, they were up 24-3 to three before Texas scored at the very last second. So was, they've been uh, they've been re- rearing to go here for the past couple weeks and i think they're going to be ready to for their rematch uh, against ou so i'm taking charlie brewer and the baylor bears and i'm gonna make them my lock you might as well just double down i might as well <laughs> I, I do like it though that's a lot of points it is um and for me i don't know this was a tough one because i have been picking oklahoma it seems like every week now but i finally got my win they were due forever and i got my cover so I'm going to go back to totally Baylor. Dominant, but they got it. They got it. Yeah, they they pulled away late, but um, you know, the the reason I I like Baylor right now is maybe kind of dumb and and just recency bias, but I agree that the fact that they just rolled over Kansas like that. And Kansas, yeah, they have they have sucked this year. I think their uprising under Les Miles has been exaggerated if you go look at their kind of advanced stats. They're basically as bad as they've been, but still, I just think the way they dominated them and the way they dominated Texas, like you said, Ryan, they're coming in confident. They got a chip on their shoulder after blowing it a few weeks ago against OU. So, yep, I'll take those points. Clean sweep. And you guys both mentioned it I about that recency bias. Not only did they beat Texas and Kansas handily, but they did it immediately after that crushing loss to Oklahoma because we didn't know how they would respond. So that's what I've been impressed with. And Baylor has, they have a top 20 offense and defense, and I think they can keep it within reach. And Oklahoma, we've seen they're prone to some close games. So I'll take Baylor as well. Okay. SEC championship. Of course, this is kind of the, the big domino here that could potentially drop. If Georgia beats LSU, then all these other games are, are probably moot. But uh, LSU is favored six and a half in Mercedes Benz Stadium. And the SEC probably wants a, a Georgia win here because that'll, likely give them two teams in the playoff but i like lsu georgia is likely going to be without george pickens at receiver for the first half because of his ejection for fighting last week lawrence cager of course out with an ankle injury deandre swift left last week with a a shoulder injury so i just don't know even with those guys i don't know if they have enough firepower to keep up with lsu but without them i definitely don't think so and yes their defense is one of the best in the country but they haven't faced a team like LSU. And if you look at the quarterbacks on their schedule, for the most part, they have not been very challenging. So I think LSU will have, you know, put up some points and and Georgia won't put up as many. That is some great analysis, Michael. 
Okay. Thanks. <laughs> this one's tough, and I'm I'm scared to do it, but I'm going to take the points and give Georgia a chance. Uh, I like I just love their defense, and when I look at LSU, they've obviously been rolling as of late. But their worst offensive game this season came at home to Auburn, who, as we all know, has a great defense, and Georgia might be able to muck it up enough to keep Burrow from just completely going off. And we've we've all been hard on Georgia's offense, and deservedly so. But LSU is prone to giving up some points, so maybe Fromm can get a short field from from the Georgia defense and and keep it within one score. And I'll take the dogs to cover. Yeah, you you kind of mentioned LSU's defense has been a little prone to giving up points, and I was worried about that prior to this, more so prior to this last past week here when they just completely shut down. Kellen Mond and Texas A&M, and they just flat out dominated. So it kind of put those worries to rest a little bit. Um, I think they're going to be <laughs> just fine against the Georgia offense that doesn't pose too many threats. And yeah, I don't. Joe Burrow has not been stopped this year, so I, I don't think uh, it's going to be Georgia. So yeah, I'm going to take LSU uh, like Michael. Okay, ACC championship. We got Virginia against Clemson. Clemson is favored 28 and a half. And this one is at Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte. What are your thoughts here, Trey? I would normally take the points here, but Clemson's just been on fire killing teams. They've won and covered easily in their last six games. Clemson, they're going to be able to stop Perkins and the Cavs. They have only the 57th ranked SP plus offense. And then on the other side, I don't see Virginia being able to slow down Trevor Lawrence and Clemson, who have really found another gear in the latter part of the season, as we've all seen. I think Virginia, they were more just excited to to beat the Hokies last week. Uh, and just to get here, but Clemson's just in another league. Yeah, I, I think I agree with you. If if Virginia does have any chance to to keep this one close, Bryce Perkins needs to have a monster game, and he is capable of doing that. Um, he is he can be a, a one man show at times, but I would bet against it here against Clemson, who I think might have the best defense in the country. And I agree. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to have a huge game because Virginia's secondary has just been lit up by just about everybody lately with. With the injuries they have there, so yeah, I'll I'll lay the points with Clemson. Yeah, I'm with you guys. It's, it's going to be another boring ACC title game here. Clemson's been beating folks by at least 30 points, you know, in the last couple months. So Bryce Perkins, I he I know he's a decent player, but he has no chance going up against Clemson. With it's pretty much just a one man show there. So yeah, Clemson's going to win huge. Okay, Big Ten Championship, Ohio State minus 16 and a half. Against Wisconsin, this one's at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Uh, who do you like, Ryan? I I, I like the Badgers here. Um, Ooh, Michigan was able to get a little bit going offensively last week against the Buckeyes. Um, so I think Wisconsin, you know, they'll be able to move the ball enough uh, to keep it relatively interesting, especially with some of the creativeness that they've been showing lately uh, offensively. And if you remember this, their regular season matchup uh, in this game. It was ten to seven in the third quarter uh, in Columbus. I know it ended up thirty-eight to seven, but yeah, you know, I think Wisconsin is going to have a little more gas in the tank. And when it's not at the Buckeyes, it might make a little bit of a difference too. And the Badgers have been playing well lately, so yeah, I think they can do enough to keep it within six. Was it sixteen and a half? You said right? Yeah, yep. I was. I was leaning that way too, Ryan, but. It's just tough for me to get in front of this Ohio State train. Uh, I think Ohio State, they're going to win. They're going to go to the playoff here in style and, and cover. Um, I mean, 38-7 to was just – I know it was 10-7 early, but Ohio State, they turned it on when they needed to. 
I just don't see the Badgers having the, enough weapons to keep up. Chase Young, the Buckeyes, their their top defense is going to key in on Jonathan Taylor and make Jack Cohn beat them. It's just I don't see it happening. And just last week on the road, we saw Ohio State did what they wanted to another really good defense in Michigan. And I made Ohio State my lock last week. I'm going to do it again here and roll with them. All right, I'm 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 going with Ryan. I'm going with Wisconsin. I think, so Massey Peabody has this game at about two touchdowns. Um, and I'm hoping maybe that people are, are slightly overreacting to that head-to-head matchup ending in a blowout, at least. Um, but of course, we've seen rematches go very different the second time, so I'm not too worried about that. And Wisconsin looked really good last week on the road against Minnesota. I was impressed with that. Justin Fields might not be 100% on the ground with, of course, that sprained MCL that he apparently suffered at the end of the Penn State game and then slightly re-aggravated last game. I mean, he did come back and play well, but maybe he won't be running the ball quite as much. Okay, moving on to the AAC Championship. We're to the G5 conferences now. And Cincinnati, again, at Memphis. And Memphis is favored 10. And I'm going to take Cincinnati to cover here. I think it was a good move to to bench Desmond Ritter at quarterback and, you know, it's, it, they say it's because of injury, but he's been playing through that shoulder injury for a while. So I think it might have been somewhat performance based because of the injury. They went to to Ben Bryant, who I think gives them a little bit bigger threat through the air. We still don't know what they're going to do this week. Maybe they'll go back to Ritter, but I'm guessing they stick with Bryant. Now, he did throw two picks and fumble, so he he wasn't all great. But I think he has the upside that that could potentially beat Memphis. So if he can take better care of the ball, which I think he will then I'll take the points. I totally agree with you, Michael. Uh, just this past week, they were in it the whole, pretty much the whole way. And Memphis really finally pulled away late, but Cincinnati still covered. And and yeah, the experience for Bryant this past week is really going to help. And now he knows what to expect against this Tigers defense if he does go over Ritter. And with the stakes even bigger, I'm going to take the points again. And I also think Michael Warren will be able to run the ball well in the Tiger defense. I know Ryan likes to talk about Memphis's run defense, but uh, I trust Fickle and their defense to make some adjustments from last week and get enough done to, to cover. I'm going to go the other way here, guys. Uh, I'm going to take take Memphis. They've proven, I think, that they were consistently the best team in the AAC. Cincinnati, I don't feel like they're playing their best as of late. I know they stuck in there pretty pretty tight with Memphis last game but I don't know I think Memphis also gets an gets a look at Bryant this time and has a little bit better feel for what he's going to pose as far as a threat so I think they'll be better prepared and I just think Memphis is just too good for him overall so give him a second chance they'll do even better okay Mountain West Championship Hawaii at Boise State the Broncos are favored 15 what are your thoughts Trey it's a lot of points but I'm taking Boise uh, earlier in the year, Hawaii gave up 59 to Boise. I, I'm not saying it'll be exactly the same here, but it's going to be really cold. So that's not ideal for Hawaii's offense as they tend to sling it with Cole McDonald or Cordero. And Hawaii has the 115th ranked SP plus defense. And even if Hank Bachmeyer isn't going, Jalen Henderson has really impressed me at quarterback. Uh, mm-hmm. He started the last three games and the offense hasn't really dropped. He's He has a nine to one touchdown to interception ratio and he's a little bit of a threat with his legs and so since it's at home i'm going with the broncos yeah it seems like whoever they put in at quarterback has has done pretty well this year so yep yeah i, I agree with trey uh not only is it going to be cold but it's supposed to have some uh 
maybe some rain in there and who knows it could be snow by the time that comes around it just doesn't set up well here for for hawaii having to go to the mainland and have those weather elements so yeah boise did beat them big earlier and i think they're gonna do the same thing here again uh i i would be surprised if they didn't so i'm i'm gonna go with the broncos as well you guys are kind of uh scaring me with my pick with with your weather reports there um and yes hawaii did already lose 59 to 37 they did put up 37 points last time so wasn't like they got yeah. totally blown out and they lost the turnover battle in that game four to one. So a little bit unlucky there. And I'm going with Hawaii because I think Boise might be a little bit vulnerable in the secondary right now. Colorado State had some success last week. I read in that game that uh, Boise had a couple players in the secondary not playing. Not sure if they'll be back here, but if if they are out again, then uh, that, that bodes well for Hawaii's passing game. But I hope it's not windy yeah. because that would be bad. Yes, it would. Uh, okay, next game, Conference USA Championship, UAB at FAU, and FAU is favored seven and a half. Are you going with Lane Kiffin, Ryan? Um, I am going to go with the Lane train here. Yep. Good. At UAB, they do have a good defense. I'll give them that. They give up just 18 points a game, but Florida Atlantic's been, they've been on a roll lately. They won five in a row by at least 11 points, and I just don't think UAB has enough horses uh, to be able to pull this one out and keep up with them. So yeah, I'm taking your the owls here. Yep, I'm with you. They've FAU has won. I mean, they went what seven and one, I think, in in conference. All seven of those wins were by double digit, double digits. Um, they've got the most talent. They've got the way better offense in this game. UAB yep. has been not been able to to run the ball very well, and certainly not pass the ball. So uh, those are both facets of offense, and that's not good when you oh, can't do those well. No. Yeah. I mean, they've okay. got a great defense, but I got to go with my boy Lane Kiffin. I agree with the both of you. Uh, UAB, you, Michael, you touched on how bad their UAB's offense is. They're 118th S&P plus. Or, gosh, I am Ooh, just the worst You were at like that. three for three with that tonight until now. Yeah. SP plus. They're off, either way, their offense is pitiful. <laughs> and uh, I just don't see them keeping pace with, with Lane Kiffin's owl offense. By the way, for Lane Kiffin, um, he took over a team that went three and nine in three straight seasons. And since then, he's gone eleven and three, five and seven, and now nine and three. That is a great, great job. So, yep. A- after last year, the the kind of lane talk to to a power five school kind of tempered because he went five and seven. But with this nine and three season, I think it's probably going to ratchet up, especially with all these job openings. Yeah, I agree. Okay, MAC championship: Miami of Ohio against Central Michigan. Uh, Central Michigan is favored six and a half. And I'm going to go with them. They might have a little bit of home field advantage here at, at Ford Field in Detroit, of course. And Quentin Dormady has been playing really well at quarterback the last few games. And Brett Gabbert, the, the freshman quarterback for Miami, is just not very, not very good. good. No. So he's a freshman. Maybe he'll get better, but yeah, not this year. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm taking uh, the Chippewas. Miami's struggled their last two games out, too. They barely beat Akron a couple weeks ago. Then they lost yeah. by two TDs to, to Ball State. Um, I will say they they benched um, Gabbert in the second half against Ball State. I don't think it was injury related, but it is very hard to find information on Miami of Ohio. Like I scoured the internet trying to find why did Brett Gabbert only throw eight passes last game or whatever it was, and I really could not find a definitive answer. So, yep. But I'm guessing they just benched him to preserve his health because the game didn't matter. I don't know. Who knows? I, I honestly don't know either. But. Yeah, I'm I'm taking Jim McElwain's squad. They just they got a far superior offense than 
yep, they're going to win. I agree with you guys. I mean, like you said, Ryan, if this game was two weeks ago, I probably would have taken Miami, but that Akron game is really sticking out like a sore thumb. I mean, Akron's one of the worst teams ever. And not the the Chippewas, they've covered eight of nine games, and Quentin Dormady has looked much better lately. Jonathan Ward, great running back. Uh, that Gabbert's just not going to scare this Chips defense, and I think Central Michigan will cover and take the Mac. Fire up Chips, all right. Sunbelt Championship, our last conference championship here. Louisiana at Appalachian State. The Mountaineers are favored six. Uh, what do you think, Trey? I wanted to go with Louisiana, but I'm I'm taking App State. They're the kings of the Sun Belt, and they already have that road win against Napier's Raging Cajuns. Add that to the fact that this is in Boone. Uh, even if it's cold and it slows down t- uh, App State's passing, Darrington Evans has rushed for over 1,200 yards this year. He's going to keep the chains moving. For, for Louisiana, Levi Lewis, he's been outstanding all year put up gaudy numbers, but I just can't get the game against App State earlier in the year out of my mind. They completely stymied that Louisiana offense. And I just I just don't like the way Louisiana is coming in this game. They were really lucky to beat Monroe last week as a 20-point favorite. And I just think the Mountaineers are, are clicking. So go Mountaineers. Okay, I'm going to go with Louisiana. I got to go with my boy, Billy Napier. And yeah, that, that game was, you know, Earlier in the season, 17 to 7, App State, kind of an ugly, low scoring game. So I, I still think Louisiana can compete with them. Their offensive line is one of the best in the country. They've got three running backs that have gone over 750 yards this year. And those running backs are at 6.0, 7.9, and 7.5 yards per carry. So I think if, if the, the weather does call for, for more running, then that might favor them a little bit. And and they they just they take care of the ball. Levi Lewis hasn't thrown a pick since the middle of October. So all signs for me are pointing to a cover for Louisiana, and I'm going to make them my lock. Wow. Okay. I agree with you. I, I'm going to take uh, Lafayette here. I just I don't see a huge difference between these two teams. I think Louisiana's Lafayette's offense is a little better, um, but I think App State has a little better defense. So I don't, I'm just going to take the points. I think the Raging Cajuns are tough. I, Levi Lewis doesn't get enough credit for how how good he's been playing this year. Nobody's talks about him at all nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's. I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the Raging Cajuns also, Mike. Yeah, and Sagarin and SP Plus agree with you, Ryan. They have these two teams uh, closer than than the point spread. So there we go. You're the human computer. I am. Um, let's uh, close out the episode here with a questionable finish. Since Nick Saban's first season at Alabama, his kickers have missed 101 field goals. That's eight more than any other team during that span. What is the biggest weakness in our otherwise dominant podcast? Um, you know, I, I think it's the team that we follow. Uh, this, this is the third year we've done this podcast, and Huskers have yet to make a bowl game during our podcast tenures. It's hard to keep the uh, the positive energy going every week when... You know, your team loses. I think our performance would be better if our team was better. That's a good point. Uh, I'm going to say the weakness, though, is you, Ryan. Yeah, I figured (laughs) you'd go somewhere about that. (laughs) No, not not you. Just the fact that you live in L.A. Ah. Because if you live down here, maybe we could all get together. We could record this thing in person. Maybe it's a strength. You think it's better that we're all on Skype looking at each other? Maybe. I guess 
actually Google Hangouts. I don't want to give Skype credit. Yeah, yeah if Skype wouldn't work. <laughs> we didn't like Skype. I. It's funny you, you said because I was kind of along the same lines. I was saying that we're all not. We don't do this together in person. Yeah. We we do it remotely. It's not. I don't know if it's. It's worked all right, but maybe it could be that much better in person. Well, we'll we'll do a in person pod sooner rather than later. We are thanks to the patrons because we were able to buy uh, some equipment that allows us to do it in person. So we appreciate that, uh, and we'll we'll do an episode soon like that over yep. the holidays, maybe. Okay, next one. Go on the record with your final playoff rankings. All right, I'm gonna say Ohio State number one, LSU number two, Clemson number three, and drum roll. Oklahoma number four. Mm. Okay, I'm the exact same. What about you, Ryan? I put Utah as uh, my fourth instead of Oklahoma. So why do you why do you say that? Do you think I think Baylor is going to beat Oklahoma? Okay, um, and I think Utah will beat Oregon. And I just between Baylor and Utah, I think the committee will favor Utah. Okay. Uh, last question here. Let's give our upset specials. And this week, you can take any any underdog of three points or more because there's not many to choose from. I'm going with Louisiana with my lock. I'm doubling up on them. I just love Billy Napier, and I'm more just cheering for it. So, yeah, that's what I'm going with. I know I just picked Oklahoma to be my fourth uh, playoff team, but my upset special, I'll take Baylor. I loved how hey, they... excuse me. <laughs> oh, well, you know, <laughs> I, 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 I assumed you were going to go that way. You're going to triple down on them, but... Yeah. we're. I'm on the Charlie Brewer and, and Baylor train right now, so why not? Yeah, all right, I, me too. I, Baylor's mine for surprise, surprise. Okay, no one, no one wanted to go with Virginia. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, you never know. You never know, Ryan. So sometimes you if, do. I mean, if North Carolina can almost beat Clemson, I mean, I, I'm not saying that it's likely, but I'm just it's saying you never know. Possible. It's possible. Okay, so Ryan's picking Virginia. <laughs> um, okay, that'll do it for the College Football Bros podcast. Thanks everyone for listening. Thank you for a great season. We've got, of course. One more, one more week here, and then uh, we'll be getting into bowl season. So be sure to stick with us. We go throughout the whole off season. We're once a week, every week, all year. So make sure you're subscribed, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. You've been listening to the College Football Bros. If you have any questions for the next podcast, email them to collegefootballbros at gmail.com. To keep up with the brothers on social media, like them on Facebook at College Football Bros., Follow them on Instagram at College Football Bros. And for their commentary on Saturdays, follow them on Twitter at CFB Bros. Thanks for listening.